Hello, fellow Blue Earther, welcome to another podcast. I'm Lauren Esbitt, and on today's pod, I talk to Andy Hawkins, Blue Earth's first ambassador to be interviewed on all things B Corp. Andy talks about the history of B Corp and why it's important for businesses in today's climate to get certified and what this process involves. Andy links his blue thread to the purpose of his work with B Local, run by B Corp, which involves meetups with other like-minded people and organisations. Hi Andy, it's lovely to have you on the pod today. Thanks Laura, it's great to be here. You are our first Blue Earth ambassador. Wow, in at the beginning, <laughs> in at the beginning. It sounds great, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, really lovely to be here. You know, I was at Blue Earth last year and was frankly blown away by the whole summit it was uh especially after covid you know an immense event i know that the attendees were much higher than you originally anticipated and the vibe was really uh really positive so it was uh great to be back here and speak to you on the uh, podcast are you doing a talk for us this year? I am doing another uh, B Corp intro talk. Want to know more about B Corp? Yeah. So I would love to know more about B Corp. How did it start and why is it so important for business to want to be involved with it? Yeah, B Corp's actually got an interesting history. So there were uh, three Americans that were running a basketball boot company, let's say a little bit like Nike or someone like that. And uh, they were doing really well in the market and uh, had set the company up to be really ethical and uh, environmentally friendly and socially uh, positive. And it went really, really well. And they then sold that business off and were dismayed to see that the new shareholders dismantled all of those ethics and cranked the thing for max profit. So they were uh, licking their wounds over what they had happened to their uh, precious baby of a company and said, well, we don't want that to happen again. So the next business they uh, set up, they helped to get something called a benefit corporation, which is a specific legal vehicle set up in the States so that that locked in the social and environmental purpose into the new business. So it couldn't be changed if they subsequently sold it on. So that was probably 11 years ago or so. And uh, since then, there's now uh, more than 5,000 B Corps uh, across the world uh, with 700 in the UK. And yeah, I describe to my friends that B Corp is to business what fair trade is to coffee. Uh, if they've never really heard of B Corp, they'll almost certainly have heard of fair trade and they understand that, aha, that means if I see the B Corp badge, that means that that's a, a safe purchase or a safe business transaction with an ethical company. So that's a great way to describe it. How long is the process for businesses to apply? It varies in truth. But if someone uh, you know, were to call me today and say, Andy, I want to start the journey. How long is it going to be? Can you set my expectation? I'll say one year. And that is broken into a few constituent parts. So going through the B impact assessment, uh, I generally recommend that they take uh, at least two or three months to go through that journey because you don't want to rush it and try and hit go at the earliest possible opportunity without going through it thoroughly. So we we generally allow three months for that. And then uh, on average, it's somewhere between nine and 12 months uh, once you've hit submit to get into the queue. And the exact time varies dependent upon what type of market you're in because B Lab have got various different audit teams for different size companies, different markets, different territories. So we can't say 
it's definitely six months, it's definitely 12 months. But on average, what I'm seeing for my clients from start to finish, it's about 12 months. And are there any other options if businesses don't want to be a part of B Corp? Are there other certifications that businesses can can apply for that have equal measure? In my opinion, I don't think there are at the moment. There's quite a lot out there on the marketplace that will uh, enable you to certify your environmental credentials. So there's plenty of those out there. But because B Corp is social and environmental impact, there's nothing really out there at the moment that is coming close to it. I think there will be more, but bearing in mind B Corp has taken 11 years to get where, where it is, uh, and has now got quite a good brand and quite a good reputation and is well recognized. I've keep quite an eye, a close eye on the marketplace and I've not seen anything really out there that is uh, coming close to it, although I think there will be others uh, coming up. And in terms of, you know, is, is there an alternative to B Corp if we don't want to be a B Corp? I think at the moment, if that's what a company thinks, and that's perfectly legitimate, I would say we'll just still use the B impact assessment as a self-reflective tool to measure uh, how you're doing and come up with some impact improvement plans. Whether you subsequently go B Corp or not after that is obviously entirely up to you. But I still think that just utilizing the impact assessment is a really powerful and strong thing to do in terms of a company who just says we want to become a better, fitter, stronger, healthier business, regardless of the badge then you could still use that impact assessment quite happily. And there's been, globally, there's been over 100,000 companies that have used the B impact assessment in that way. So it's a, it's a really cool tool to use, even if you don't want to go B Corp. And what's the most common failing that businesses don't achieve in the process of getting B Corp status? Not getting started is probably <laughs> the number one. And we'd say, you know, I'd genuinely say to any business, just give it a go, you know, jump onto the impact assessment, maybe reach out and get some help from someone as well, but just get started. It's like saying, what's the biggest failing of not losing weight? It would be not jumping on the scales in the first place to get a benchmark as to where you're starting from. And I think going through the B impact assessment and, and actually making a start even if you don't end up scoring a particularly good score in that first instance, it will give you some really good guidance as to where you're missing out, where some of your challenges might be, and, and just highlight some insights that you might not have spotted before. So I literally think it's it's getting started. The other thing that I'd say, I mean, over the last uh, 20 months, I've probably helped now north of 130 businesses. So it's been quite a, a good amount of companies to get some eyes on where they're at and what they're doing. And at the moment, the majority of companies that are going through the B Impact Assessment or wanting to go B Corp are still what I would describe as the early adopters. They're the pioneers. They're the companies that really uh, take their um, impact and purpose quite seriously. So most of them are, if you like, you're preaching to the choir in terms of those companies that are having a go. So you'd expect them to be pretty good. But there are some things that a lot of companies have not thought about before. So many of the companies are relatively new startups. I think something like 70% of businesses that are B Corp are sub a million pounds in turnover. So lots of small businesses. 
And for a lot of them, they've not really thought about some of their HR processes and policies, what they can do environmentally, because they're a small business. They assume that there's not a lot that they can do. And, you know, we're small. What difference can we possibly make? So going through the impact assessment, I think really helps give them some insights as to what they're doing, helps them to identify some risks that might be out there in the business that might be blind spots for them and helps just surface those so that they can mitigate and manage those risks. But just getting started would be the uh, short answer to that question. And how does your work with um, B Corp cross over into your personal life? I would say that I've always been quite a purposeful and I would hope somewhat ethical person anyway. So B Corp matches my uh, values and what I want to do. And when I first discovered B Corp, which was only uh, a couple of years ago, Uh, in 2020 I just as I was reading all about it and listening to what other companies had done I just found myself nodding along constantly that I agree with that I agree with that that's a great thing more companies should be doing that so I think it it really kind of just resonated and landed with with me as an individual but I've always you know been a big uh, advocate for fair trade uh, the global justice movement, all of those sorts of things uh, are something that's been a part of my life for many years. What would you say your best blue or green space is to hang out on the weekends to chill out and recharge? That is a good question. So I do love the sea. Um, for several years, we lived uh, down in Plymouth and had an apartment that overlooked Plymouth Sound. And, and just seeing the sea just does something within your soul. It does something to your heart that is difficult to quantify, but it just helps your whole mental health and well-being, and it just lifts your spirits in in, in an incredible way. So I would have to say, uh, you know, the sea. Now I'm living in Bristol. Uh, We don't have quite so many local options. Um, So I do uh, love getting out and about into uh, some of the the local walks. uh, And I always really enjoy the Downs, you know, which is a huge big green space in Bristol. So that's my kind of uh, go-to place. I love uh, National Trust Gardens and I love, you know, being out and seeing flowers and nature and all of that kind of thing. I definitely think there is something in the organised beauty of uh, National Trust Gardens that makes you feel quite tranquil. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We've been, uh, because we moved into the new house a year ago, we spent a year getting our uh, our new little canvas of a garden painted on. So it's now looking very pretty and up together. So um, yeah, I'm not saying it's a contender for Chelsea quite yet, but uh, <laughs> we're pretty happy with it. We've got to start somewhere. Exactly right. So I would be interested to hear what your thoughts are on COP. Did you attend? Did you think that it had as much impact as you thought it would? I didn't attend in person, purposefully. Uh, I wanted to just join virtually, so I joined quite a lot of the virtual sessions. I think it's great. I think more of that is needed. You know, there's a new end climate change conference going on in Bonn today with a whole bunch of the uh, world uh, leaders on climate, including John Kerry, that is going to be speaking there. But in truth, I came away deeply, deeply disappointed in the lack of action that I saw. So I think there was a lot of talk, there was a lot of positioning, there was a lot of discussion that went on. But in terms of concrete action, this is what we're going to do. These are some legislative things that we're going to pass. I, I genuinely was deeply disappointed with the outcome. 
I'm I'm quite shocked that you said that just because I'm not somebody who has the knowledge that you have in terms of things that are happening in the world. But I watched COP from the TV and I guess from, from that perspective, it kind of highlighted how much work we've still got to do. But actually for the first time for me, COP was a realisation of how like urgent everything is. So I guess from my perspective, I thought from just from a very distance perspective, I thought, okay, it's great to see that, you know, things are shifting in the right direction, but clearly they're not shifting fast enough in your opinion. Someone said, you know, we're moving from being climate deniers to climate delayers. The, the, the climate science, at last, people are, are, are agreeing with that climate science. The climate science has been there for, you know, well over a decade that we are in deep, deep trouble but there's been a lot of companies and a lot of people that didn't really want to face up to that truth. But I think they are now accepting that that truth is uh, immutable. But I think that the mitigation that they now need to go through, people are just not really prepared to do that. Companies are certainly not prepared to do that in general. Even with things, I was listening to a radio report with John Kerry, who's attending this UN climate thing today. And he was saying that there's a lot of companies and countries that are using the Ukraine conflict at the moment as good reason to be giving the green light to more fossil fuel and coal mining and that sort of thing, the consequences of which will be with us for the next 40 years. Now, I accept fully that the uh, conflict in Ukraine is huge and it's got a lot of energy ramifications for us uh, in the Western world. But using that as an excuse to just give the green light to coal mines that are going to be there for 30 or 40 years seems absolutely crazy. And it's just testimony to the fact that we are still, uh, as a society, generally motivated by profit rather than purpose. And I find that really uh, disappointing and deeply sad. Given the thinking or the thinkers behind these profit-driven decisions that it might take, you know, maybe another one or two generations of people to kind of really see the change come into place because I know that we don't have two or three generations or two or three decades really to wait for that to happen but sometimes I feel like you know very old ways of thinking that sit at the top of corporations it it takes those people to leave and move on for the culture to change. Yeah, I'm certainly more optimistic than another generation or two. But, uh, you know, realistically, I would think five to 10 years. But uh, a few years ago, Mark Carney, who was the ex-governor of the Bank of England, said that companies that are not trading ethically and are not putting climate change at the the forefront are simply going to go bankrupt because people will no longer want to trade with them. And ultimately, I think the power is in the hands of the people and in the hands of consumers, we will vote with our money, we will vote by our purchasing decisions, and we will ultimately vote with our votes politically. A year ago, there was, uh, you know, huge floods in Germany. uh, And I think that those floods brought it home to a lot of Germans about just how bad climate change had become. And as a result, the the Green Party in Germany uh, picked up huge amounts of votes. Now, I'm not saying we need a cataclysmic climate event to happen in the UK for that to happen. But I do think, talking to a lot of friends and family, that they are waking up to the fact that organisations and political parties do need to be stepping up and not just talking about it, you know, been talking about it for generations, but actually taking action, putting legislation into place. 
be it uh, you know carbon tax, green tax, or anything of that nature, I think we need to pay uh, for where we pollute the planet and where we um, effectively uh, strip the planet of resources in a non-regenerative way. We as consumers ultimately need to pay for that. It's it's down to us. And yes, it means the end of fast fashion and all those kinds of things. Well, hurrah for that, frankly, if it means that, you know, that's going to that's gonna save the planet. And, you know, I, I can only uh, buy two shirts a year instead of, uh, you know, five shirts a year. What's the problem with that? You know, that's absolutely fine by me. When you were talking about regenerative leadership, I can imagine that's going to be quite a powerful thing in the next 10 years. So if somebody wanted to learn more about that, are there good sources of inf- information other than attending Lua Summit that people could um, tap into? Yeah, I think one of the nice things is that, you know, there literally is huge amounts of information around that, are, that is out there now that talks about uh, regenerative leadership. So there's some great books. Uh, there's a book by Paul Polman, who's the uh, ex-chair of Unilever. He's written some great books about it. I also like uh, Paul Hargreaves' books. Uh, he runs Cotswold Fair, a B Corp, no great surprise. But Paul has written some really good books about uh, how to care for your workforce and do business in a regenerative way. So there's definitely a lot of information that is out there. Lots of podcasts and uh, YouTubes. So so the problem now is almost that we're awash with information. And again, I think, you know, how do we translate that that information into solid action? I think that's the, the, the challenge. It's almost too much information. And again, coming back to our uh, first couple of things that we talked about, that is where I think from a business perspective, having a go at the uh, B impact assessment is a really cool way to, to just start and just start understanding some of the issues and challenges around our business and, and then taking uh, appropriate action rather than spending hours and hours and hours uh, watching um, you know, YouTube videos and reading uh, endless white papers about different things. I think we do need to be informed, but I think a tool like the B Impact Assessment is just a brilliant way to jump in and get started. And once you've got started, I think a whole load of other things then open up and the actions just start to cascade and domino effect on. And once you've made that start, you you realize how far off the pace you are and you then become more informed and more motivated to go as far as you can, as quickly as you can. So I, I think that um, there are lots of sources of information, but I wouldn't encourage anyone to procrastinate by wanting to read up hundreds of different things. Kind of just just get going, really, would be my shout. So with the logistics um, of the assessment, uh, for anybody that's listening, is it downloadable or is it kind of a form that you fill out online you know how long would it take is it lots of writing or is it tick boxes because as soon as somebody says assessment to me my brain just kind of shuts off <laughs> yeah mine, mine too laura so it's a free to use uh, web-based tool so anyone can go on and sign up and get an account on beimpactassessment.net so that's a free to use uh, anyone can do that i would say that of all of my clients, if I clubbed them all together, it would be fair to say that the, the questionnaire, depending on the size and scope of your business and what marketplace you're in, whether you're a, a retailer, whether you're a manufacturer, whether you're involved in agriculture, 
that will uh, impact the set of questions that you get. But on average, there's between 150 and 200 questions, something of that nature. And having helped so many businesses, I reckon a third of those questions, everyone knows the answer to. No, no problem. I know the answer to that. Another third, people will look at those and th say, I think I know the answer, but I'm feeling a bit 50-50 on that. And the final third are, what does that mean? How would that uh, apply to me? I really need to talk to somebody about that. But it's interesting that it's the same third. So, you know, everyone knows that set of questions. Everyone's 50-50 on that set. And everyone's kind of not quite sure about those. Please, can someone help me? So um, that's been an interesting thing to see. I am with you, Laura, that, you know, uh, if you see assessment or, uh, you know, uh, uh, an ISO 14001 or something like that heading in your direction, you're kind of looking to uh, run for cover. And I absolutely get that. So what we've done is we've put together a 10-step couch to 5K program. So if someone said to me, Andy, come on, get off of your couch, let's go run 5K, I would just be looking for any excuse to say, uh, is, there, is there not something else we can do instead? And I think people have got a, a very similar uh, view to this. They've maybe listened to or talked to other people who've gone through B Corp and they've said, wow, it's really difficult. It's taken us a year or two, loads of resource, loads of effort. And it is something that is absolutely purposeful. But this 10-step uh, couch to 5K approach has just broken it down, I think, into bite-sized chunks. So it's split into two uh, general sections. The first section is sessions one to five. There's five elements of the B Impact Assessment. The first five sessions uh, in B Corp uh, cover those five sections, which are to look at your governance, then to look at how you treat your workers. Then there's a section on community and how you engage with your community. Obviously, there's a section on the environment. And finally, there's a section on customers. So each of the first five weeks, we cover those five. At the end of the five weeks, we'll download a scorecard, see where we're doing and produce a RAG report, a red, amber, green report that highlights where you've done well, where you are totally off the pace and have scored zero and, and where you're somewhere in between scoring and amber. And over those next few weeks, we basically come up with an impact improvement plan and look to see what evidence you might already have in place or what you might need to do to build evidence, put some processes and policies in place that will help you improve your score and improve your impact. So it runs across about three months, as I said, and we aim to do it in bite-sized chunks for smaller businesses. We tend to work with them as part of a cohort. So I guess couch to 5K becomes more like park run at that stage and you're doing it with a bunch of others and that brings collective encouragement, collective knowledge, shared accountability, all of those sorts of things. So for smaller businesses, doing it with a uh, group of other small businesses has been a really nice model to do and we've run uh, almost 20 of those cohorts uh, over the last year and a half and they're proving to be a really good model in terms of making it more accessible both from a time perspective and also from a cost perspective for companies to get some help uh, in that journey. So it's it's a big thing, but breaking it down into chunks, doing two hours a week across uh, three months or so, you'll make incredible progress uh, during that time. One of the things that Blue Earth is going to be asking their attendees 
this year is to, to describe their blue thread, the thing that ties them to the movements, but also what connects them to their outdoors and purpose. So B Corp obviously connects those things for you, but is there anything else? Yeah, so I think the thing that keeps me uh, encouraged and motivated largely is meeting with other like-minded people so you don't feel you're on that journey by yourself. So B Corp uh, runs a B Local, so I'm co-chair of the Bristol and Bath B Local. Um, along with a couple of other uh, great friends. And we run meetups every month or six weeks. And meeting with those other B Corps and like-minded organizations is a great way of picking up hints and tips and motivations as to what you can do. Being based in Bristol is also a brilliant place to be. Uh, There's the uh, Bristol Green Mingle, which happens every month. And there's, you know, hundreds of people that attend uh, that event. Always some great speakers. Then there's uh, Green Tech Southwest, which is another meetup group that I go to quite regularly. And that's obviously more what tech can do to help uh, with uh, climate change and mitigate things. So uh, meeting with those other individuals is a great way of doing it. Doing uh, many more things uh, virtually is great. But every Friday, I give myself a little reward day on a Friday, going out and meeting uh, friends and colleagues for coffee. And we'll quite often do a, a walking meeting Uh, And doing those walking meetings has definitely picked up during COVID and that's uh, still continuing. So keeping connected with people whilst doing a walking meeting, be it around uh, the docks or up on the downs or around Ashton Court or any of these uh, places. It's a great way of keeping connected and and just keeping your your heart and your passion motivated to to keep going and, and, and do better. So what is it about taking conversation outdoors that helps? That is a great question. So I think it's um, it's it, it's a bit juxtaposed in as much as it's being disconnected from the digital world that seems always on constant message feeds, constant news feeds coming at you that when you're in front of your uh, screens, you, you, you just need to try and multitask and see all of these different things that are happening. And when you get out into nature, generally speaking, you'll leave your screen behind, which enables you to disconnect from that digital world. And therefore, that gives you an opportunity to reconnect with with yourself, with your thoughts, with your passions, uh, with the things that drive you, with the things that are important to you. So I think disconnect of digital helps you to reconnect on a human level, both with yourself and then also with friends and colleagues that you're out walking with and actually just take more time and be more immersed in the conversation that they're on rather than this digital session is going to finish in 45 minutes and my next digital session is going to start in 46 minutes. The walk and talk just gives you space, gives you that disconnection from the digital world and helps you reconnect on that human level. Well, it's been lovely to have you on the pod, Andy. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to uh, Blue Earth Summit this year. I know there's a lot of people that I've already talked to who've uh, booked on it and uh, really looking forward to meeting everyone and looking forward to seeing the agenda. I know you've already got some great speakers lined up, so totally excited from this end. And it's a great thing for Bristol to have done again. Thanks very much for all that you're doing. Blue Earth Summit is happening from the 11th to the 13th of October 2022 in the great city of Bristol. We believe in the power of the outdoors to improve our health and further establish purpose-led business. Register your interest at blueearthsummit.com.